0: Well, Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. I know that many of us think about, it's hard to think about a holiday that's already passed, but for me, Thanksgiving is my favorite one. Anyone else agree with me on that? Here's what I love about Thanksgiving. One, no presents. It's not just about saving money for me. I do hate to spend money. But it's the stress of like, is this the right gift? Is this what they ask for? Is this what they want? And then it's like, oh, whenever I open, i have got to act like I'm really excited to have this thing. It's like what I've always dreamed of my entire life for the last 56 years. This is the moment that this has been leading up to. All that stress is just a lot to deal with for me. Thanksgiving is about Someone else does all the work. Sorry, but that's just true in my life. Someone else does all the work. I just show up and enjoy the bounty of someone else's labor and uh, sit back and drink some sweet tea and some stuffing and finish it off with some sort of sweet pie or something. It's a good day. It is a good day. So forgive me if I want to drag this out as long as possible. Happy Thanksgiving. In 1993, apropos of not Thanksgiving... In 1993, I was invited. I got a very special invite from from a group of people who who love cinema and film. And they invited me to join their group, to be part of this this amazing new thing where we, we build up our cinematic libraries and we experience the best films that were ever created. The offer was this. For seven cents... You can get seven movies. Anyone, did anyone else ever sign up for that? Okay. Now I feel stupid because I'm the one in the room that didn't read that situation correctly. Everyone else, you did. I was a sucker. I fell for it. I fell for the promise of these great films at unbelievably low prices. And I sent in my seven cents attached with a sticker and they sent me back seven films. And 15 years later... I was in too deep. I couldn't get out. It started out great, but the 7 cents quickly turned into $7 per film and then it jumped up to like 10 and like how do I get out of this thing and you're you're trying to you're trying to send letters and back that was back in the day where you just it was hard. I like to think that I moved to Reno, Nevada under the direction of God's spirit leading me to help plant a church there. But There's a small part of me that thinks it was just a way to give the Columbia House Movie Club the slip. (laughs) (laughs) To this day, I'm a little nervous about joining anything. Uh, Maybe you're the same way. When I was on staff at Sherwood Oaks, I was actually on staff for about a year before I officially became a member. Man, that was over 15 years ago. Over that time, I've sort of gained an appreciation for what it means to to be part of what God calls his strategy. I understand that the church is God's strategy for for building his kingdom in us and around us. In us and around us. Today we're going to be looking at what it means to be part of this strategy church and its mission the church matters so today we're going to be talking about why it should matter to you we're going to extend an invitation to join this church and this mission so you can turn to Ephesians 2 if you if you have your Bibles handy Um, we're going to be spending a little bit of time there and as you do that I'm going to pray Heavenly Father, this morning I am thankful, as Shauna said earlier, with the people that you've placed in our lives, in our church, these people that are becoming my people. Um, they're your people. So together, you're, you're doing something amazing in it, in this thing you call the church. It's your idea. So God, we pray that um, sort of our preferences, our plans would align with, with your priorities and your plan that um, our desires um, would align with your, your ultimate design for what this place and this thing is supposed to be. God, you're inviting us into this to be, to be part of your strategy to build your church, your kingdom in us and around us. And you're using this church to do that. And so, God, we pray today as we open the scriptures that you will remind us again why church matters. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you've got your book of Ephesians open, Ephesians is, is in, the, in the second half of the, of the Bible called the New Testament. It's one of the letters that Paul wrote, and he wrote it to a group of Christians who were Gentiles. Now, I think many of us know what it meant to be a Gentile. Primarily, it meant that you were not a Jew. So um, you've often seen those memes, the world is divided up into two types of people, And for the Jewish person, it was Jews and everyone else. So just as a point of clarification, how many in this room are not Jewish? Raise your hand if you're not Jewish this morning. If you are, we're excited to have you here. This is really cool. I'm glad you're here. But for the most part, the sermon that we're going to be talking about this morning, this letter to the Ephesians was written to Gentiles, to people like you and I. The Jews considered people like us, uh, far from God and far from hope, without hope and far from God. It's a terrible place to be, terrible place to be. But here's what he says to these Gentile believers. He says, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. This is Ephesians chapter 2, verse 13 through 22. Then he says this about Jesus Christ. He says, He himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility by setting aside in his flesh The law with its commands and regulations, all those things that made Jews Jews, Jesus says, Listen, I'm I'm gonna take all of that. I'm gonna become all of that. And I'm gonna, because I'm now all of that, I have the power to destroy how it divided people. His purpose, Paul goes on to write, was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. And in one body, his, to reconcile both of them, the Jew and the Gentile, to God through the cross. By which he put to death their hostility. Because after the cross, the things that divide us didn't even matter anymore. He came and preached peace to you who were far away, the Gentiles, and peace to those who were near, the Jews. For through him we both, both those who are far and those who are near, have access now to the Father by one Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus. And consequently, and this is the point of consequence, consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, you're no longer the other, you're no longer those people, you are fellow citizens with God's people And also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. And in him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. There is a couple of things in this passage that I want to draw your attention to. One, he is... He is creating a new thing. He is redeeming us to be part of this new thing, and he calls it by several different names. He calls it a new humanity, a new humanity. That's a pretty big deal, isn't it? Not the old humanity, a new type of human. Hmm. He calls it a household, a new type of family gathering, a new type of family group, and not just family, but all those who would be part of the, the larger household, a, a tight-knit community. He calls it a building, a structure that God is building. He calls it a community, because we're being built together, he says, with Jesus at the center, all accomplishing Jesus' mission, God's mission, together. It's what we call the church now. The church is God's strategy for building his kingdom in us and around us. Say that with me. In us and around us. And when you commit to this church, to any church, you, you commit to becoming a partner with God in this, his strategy, the church. Now, oftentimes that commitment is called membership. The church I grew up in, um, they had membership. I was a member of that church. I became a member of Sherwood Oaks. There's nothing wrong with the term membership. There's nothing wrong with membership at all. Paul will talk about we're members of one body, one body with many members. But here at Sherwood Oaks, we're leaning into some new terminology. Not new terminology, but different terminology. And it's different terminology with a purpose. So the terminology we're leaning into is partner and partnership, as opposed to member and membership. Now, again, there's nothing wrong with member. There's nothing wrong with membership. But for our purposes, those words carry some other meanings that we want to pull away from just a little bit. So, so. So, in our culture, membership is oftentimes about perks, whereas partnership is about sacrifice. So, I I think about this when I think about um, being a member of a group. When I moved downtown, I was invited by a little local organization called BRI, which is Bedford Revitalization, Inc. And they have sort of focused, this particular committee focused on the downtown area, particularly. Um, and their goal was to, to create opportunities and invest time and energy into the downtown area to make it a vibrant and fun place to be. And, and because I was now living down there, they said, you want to be part of this? I'm like, oh, that's, that's, that's sort of my vision too. I, I like that idea. Plus, they had cool shirts with their logo on them. Um, that was fun. That sort of sweetened the pot just a little bit. But I learned very quickly that, it's, that, that being part of that group was not just about showing up at meetings and talking about things that we could do. It wasn't just about wearing the shirt with the cool little BRI logo. They actually expected me <laughs> to show up at these things and unpack tables and set up fencing and tear down lighting and it's like run, run events. like, oh my word, did I, what did I sign up for? Becoming a member of this group involved some, some sacrifice. It required some time on my part, some effort and energy on my part. Whew. You know, being part of a church is so much more than having your name in our database or having a shirt with our logo on it. It's about joining God's people to create around us the kind of place that God wants to be. It's about serving the community that we're in, that he's called us to. That community is Bedford. So being part of our campus is about serving this area, and we have sort of a, a sacrificial responsibility for that. Membership is oftentimes about being served. Partnership is about serving. Oh, I'm a member.
1: I'm a member here.
0: Yes, you'll... you'll take my coat and you'll bring me my food. I'm, I'm a member here. But, but partnership is not about being served. Partnership is more about how you can serve. Paul, in uh, Ephesians, the first chapter, talks about the church as Christ's body, and he sort of doubles down on this in the book of the letters to the Corinthians. In the, in the book of Corinthians, or the, the, the first book of Corinthians, um, the letter he writes there to the church in Corinth, he describes... The, the body of Christ very similarly to our own physical bodies and how our own physical bodies function is the way the, the church body should function as well. Sort of he sort of he lays this out in, in chapter 12, verse 12. He says, just as the body is one thing but has many members, and all the members, though many, are still one body, so it is in the church, so it is with Christ. He says the foot, the ears, the eyes, the nose, none of these operate in isolation. They, they, work, they work together. In fact, they only work well when they're working in conjunction with the rest of the body. They each sort of enable the other to function the way they were designed to function. And it's a beautiful picture of way, the way God has created community to operate, that we sort of serve and live and and function together, cohesively, as one thing. And you discover that when we're living this way, when we're living sort of in service to others, that we, we see God build his kingdom in us, and we see God building his kingdom around us. Membership is about rights. Partnership is about responsibility. Oof. You know, Jesus modeled responsibility when he took on the mission of redeeming mankind back to God. And we now have responsibilities as well. And we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. When we talked about all those one another's, some of you may remember some of these. We, we love one another. We care for one another. We exhort one another. We encourage one another. We, we forgive one another. Um, all of these are about sort of laying down our individual rights. Well, why should I forgive them? We lay down our rights in order that we can fulfill our responsibility to others. We embrace those responsibilities. Tom Rainer, who writes, is a church thinker, Christian thinker, and he says this. He says, we'll never find joy in belonging to a church when we're constantly seeking things our own way, when we want it to be sort of about us. But paradoxically, we will find the greatest joy when we choose to be last, to consider others greater than ourselves, more often than ourselves. That's what Jesus meant when he said, the last will be first, because that's where we, we find our true joy and our true fulfillment. When we give up our rights and our preferences and sort of embrace what it means to be responsible for each other. We were created for community. When we lay aside our rights and embrace our God-given responsibilities, God. Built his kingdom in us and around us. Membership is about the individual, partnership is about relationships. I don't know about you, but I sort of like going it alone. I love going home. And no one being there that I have to talk to, that I have to engage with, that I have to sort of manage their feelings and their emotions and hear about their day. I know that I'm an object of pity for most of you because of that. But I, I love I love it. I love it. Those of you who are happily married, I, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. But I like, I like, I like that. I, I hate to need other people too. Now, it's not just single people that have that. There's a lot of you out there that don't really like to need anyone. Jeff calls up, hey, can I help you? No, 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 I got it. I got it. No, it'll just take me eight hours. It'll, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. I know you're busy. No, 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 I'm fine. I'm fine. Don't, 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 no, no, no. I don't need it. I don't need it. I'll carry it on my back. I don't need your truck. I, we got it. We got it. We hate to need each other, don't we? We take this to ridiculous extremes. We hate to need each other. It's very humbling to say, hey, uh, can you help me? It's very humbling. But we're better and healthier and we're stronger as a community, as a church, when we lean into each other and help each other. This is something else Paul alludes to in chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians. He says, think about it this way with your body. <laughs> you know, the eye doesn't say to the hand, hey, 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 listen, this week, you just stay home. I'm gonna I'm gonna take care of everything. I got it. I got it. I don't I don't need you. No, 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 no. I appreciate, appreciate the offer hand, but we we got this. We got this. The the uh, the head doesn't say to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, every part of the body is sort of indispensable to the others. We, we sort of need everything, don't we? And when we don't have it, we see how that works. Those, those present some very special challenges when we don't have parts of the body that we need to have to function as, as it was designed to do so. We need each other. Other Christians need you more than you realize and you, at some point in time, will realize that you need them too. This is exactly how God has designed the church to be. This is not, this is not a failure on, on your part to be needy. This is exactly how God designed you to be. Look at this. In verse 25, God has so composed the body that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care, that we may lean on each other and take care of each other. If one member suffers, what do we do? Well, we all suffer together. If one member is honored, we all rejoice together. As amazing as your heart is, as good a ticker as you've got, if you take it out and remove it from the body and put it over here, I don't even have to follow up that illustration. We know exactly what's going to happen. The heart only has value as long as it's connected to the rest of the body. It can't function apart from the body. And as amazing as you are, you also cannot sustain functioning ability long without the body of Christ around you. You are not designed to be a solo act. You were created to be part of this new thing God is designing. You're intended to be part of the body of Christ. When you're part of the body of Christ in a committed relationship, this is how the kingdom of God is developed and built in you and around you. So let's see. Um, It requires sacrifice. It requires service. It requires responsibility. It requires relationships. You're not selling this to me, Tim. I get it. <laughs> I get it. I had a brief career as a salesman selling carpet. And I say brief because I realized very soon, as a salesman, I am not only not going to get rich, I cannot afford my car payment on the commission I make on sales. I'm a horrible salesman. I admit that freely. But let me, let me spin this just a little bit. Okay, so yes, partnering with the local church is about what you give And not necessarily about what you get, but here is what you get when you become a partner with us. You get people who stick with you. You find your people. I love that phrase. You find your people. People who on your good day and on your bad day will stick it out with you. Who will speak truth to you and encourage you when you're struggling in obedience. Say, come on, you know, let's do this, come on. Keep going. Keep going. Those are your people. Those are people who will cheer you on when things are going great and will rough you up a little bit when you need to be roughed up. You'll get the opportunity to discover and share your spiritual gifts. By serving others, you get to experience what it means to be fearfully and wonderfully made. You get to understand how God designed you as you serve other people. That's how you discover this. You find a place to spiritually grow yourself and your family. I love the young families in our church. So many of them just demonstrate this. I mean, I mean, you guys back there are an example of this. Just investing in each other. It's not about just showing up. It's like, how can we show up and be present with other people here? Our kids growing up knowing these kids and, and investing in families, not just for a season, but really for a lifetime. Like, we're... We're in this together for the long haul. This is a beautiful picture of what it means, what the church can be for, for, for young families. But it's not just that traditional picture of a family. At the 930 service, we have three ladies here, and I, I love them. It's Diane and Joyce and um, and Judy. And those three ladies, they're all three widows. They live in close proximity to each other, and Two or three times a week, they get together for dinner. They do a little Bible study. They play cards. They play euchre. They formed a little family right there on the south side of Bedford. It's a beautiful picture of how the body of Christ can become this close-knit family, spiritually encouraging and, and, and growing each other. I love that. can be a place where you are helped and can give help to others. <laughs> Spiritual, emotional, physical, financial. Man, you get a chance when you're part of the body of Christ to contribute and help others. And there may be a time where you yourself, you yourself will be on the receiving end of that assistance. This past week we had a chance to do that with a family who had contributed so much and given so much to the body of Christ and find themselves, we need help. We get to do that for each other. This is the beautiful thing about being part of of the body of Christ. You experience the kingdom of God being built in you and around you in a real tangible way. You know, Jesus taught us to pray this, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth just as it is in heaven, and, and this place, the church, the body, I say this place, but this thing that Jesus is creating becomes this, this embassy space. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago, where the heaven and earth sort of combine, and what happens here is a picture of what, of what heaven is going to be like. We experience the kingdom of God. We experience Jesus in a very unique way within the context of the church. This is all well and good, and you can say, I, I, I like all those thoughts. Those are, those are good thoughts. But I, I've been in part of churches in the past, and I'm telling you, Tim, there are some very difficult people that go to church. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how long it took you to discover that. But, <laughs> yeah, that should have been obvious when you walked in the front door. Yes, difficult people attend church. Church is full of difficult people. The fact that you are here is evidence of that because you can be difficult too. I can be difficult too. And all of that makes you say, well, you know what? This is why it's just easier to go it alone. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna watch church on TV. You know, I don't know, I don't really know the preacher that well. I don't know any of his congregation. The church is, I don't know, in Canada, I don't know. But I don't, I, I, it's easier for me. I get a lot out of it and I don't have to deal with all the stuff. Yeah, it is easier. Let's just be honest. Yeah, that is that is a lot easier. You can avoid a lot of tension and pain when you sort of just go it alone and me and God and the TV. But you miss out on experiencing Jesus in in real flesh and blood ways. I've tried all the churches, and I tell you, there's just not one that's like for me. And I guess... I think I know what you mean by that. You're looking maybe for a church where everyone acts and thinks and votes and sins the same way you do. Hmm. Hmm. But it's better for your spiritual growth to commit to people who are different from you, who you sometimes disagree with, who sometimes just disagree with you, who can challenge you. And that's not, that's, not, that's not a problem. In fact, that's, that's sort of the intention. That's the whole scripture there is that out of the two and the hostility that divided them, the differences that sort of marked them, God is doing something new, a new thing, a new humanity. His purpose, remember, was to create in himself a new humanity out of the two, thus making peace and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death all that stuff that separated them. It's through the people that, that you sort of close your eyes and shake your head, and between your, behind your closed eyelids, your eyes are just rolling, rolling, rolling. It's those people <laughs> that become your people. It's odd how it happens, but I'm telling you, I hope they're not watching this morning, but some of the deepest connections I have in my life are people that at one point in time, I'm like, oh, dear Lord, please don't bring them to my life group. (laughs) And they have become my people. I love them. God wants to surprise you with how much he loves you and how much he can love others through you. When you come into the family of God, the church. So what does it mean? What does it require to be a, a partner here at, at Sherwood Oaks Bedford? First, be a believer, be baptized. So becoming and putting faith in Jesus really is recognizing that, that your sin separates you from God. And, and you are, as, as they used to say, you're far from God and without hope. That's who you were before Jesus. So recognizing that and putting your trust and your confidence and your life in Jesus' hands is really what it means to have faith in Jesus. To follow that up with, a, with an act of obedience, say, okay, Jesus, I trust you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show that I trust you by this little thing we call baptism. And really, in the grand scope of stuff, it's a small act with incredible significance. It says, I, I, I'm serious about this. I'm going to follow Jesus. That that is so closely linked with becoming a member of God's church that, that for many people, for many denominations, for many church traditions, baptism and becoming a member of a church are one and the same thing. We keep them separate. When you're baptized, you're brought into the Church of God, universal, but we ask you to commit commit to a specific church location, specific body of Christ, as a secondary step. But in the Bible, to be a Christian means, means that you belong to a church. People repent, are baptized, and are immediately connected to a fellowship of a church. Once you embrace Christ, you embrace his people as well. So that's the first thing you believe. Believe and be baptized. Got that? Check. The second thing is this. Show up and care. Show up and care. Show up and care. Now, I'm going to make you a promise. I promise that if you show up consistently for church on Sunday and, you, and be part of a small group, it could be a Tuesday night class, it could be a Wednesday night men and women's class, it could be a small group that meets on, on Thursday afternoons or Saturday mornings, it could be part of the men's breakfast. If you just show up and become part, engage with these, that's, that's, you're going you're gonna to get from the church what you need from the church. You're gonna show up and you're gonna to begin to care for others and that care is gonna look like generosity, generosity with time and resources and, and your finances and your, your gifts. You're gonna care for others, you're gonna look out for their needs, you're gonna say, hey, how can I help? If you show up and you care for others, you're gonna find what you need from the church, spiritual growth, friendship, biblical knowledge, practical help, you'll get whatever you need when you fulfill those two things, show up and care for others. When you do, you're going to discover something. God is building the kingdom in you, and God is building his kingdom around you. You become part of this family. And this is the last point, and this takes us right into communion. Remember, in Christ Jesus, we who were far away and those who were near have all been brought together together. We've all been brought close to and in God through the blood of Jesus Christ. One of the most beautiful things that you can do for a child without a family is to adopt them. If you're friends with um, uh, Judge Nykirk on Facebook, sometimes you'll see these pictures where he, he officiates at an adoption ceremony. And it is so cool to see these little kids and their new moms and dads there. As a casa, this was something that in the back of our minds we always wanted for our kids. We really wanted good families. And sometimes that good family was the family that God birthed them into moms and dads got their lives turned around and that became a great family sometimes that's not how it worked and they were in the foster system for so long and all you wanted for these kids was to just define to some family for themselves so when you see when you see a, a, a dad and a mom say hey we want we want these little girls to come and be part of our family those that's a an amazing amazing gift to give a child without a family to give them to give them a family that's what jesus has done for us those of us who were far without hope and far from god nothing nothing really to nothing really to claim as our own other than our need and we were brought near we were brought into this new thing by the blood of jesus we're embraced, and we're given a name and a home. And he did this through a sacrifice, his own, his life. So in communion, we recognize that we're not just redeemed by God, but we're, we're redeemed and put into a community. Communion is all about that. Alan talked about this a couple of weeks ago. But we're part of now a family. Yeah, and the people we look around... <laughs> At, we go, yeah, I don't know. Family Thanksgiving, anyone? You look around and you go, how, how did these people make it in here? How did, how, did, how did we end up like this? And you roll your eyes at some of them, but you love them. They're yours. They're your people that God has put you in with. I, communion is really a Thanksgiving meal. We give thanks to Jesus, and we give thanks for the story he's telling through our lives and the stories, of the lives of people around us. And together, God is building his kingdom in us, and he's building his kingdom around us. Father, we thank you this morning for, for your kingdom. I, I am so thankful for a place where the things and the, the operation of heaven invades and intercedes in my life. That place where we see heaven and earth interlink and become one thing. It's beautiful when we see the kingdom of heaven showing up in our lives and around us. God, here in the church, with other believers, we should see it even more so. This should become truly heaven on earth. We're all still human. We look at each other and roll our eyes sometimes. But we are so thankful that here, the beginnings, the seeds of the kingdom have been planted, and it's growing. It's growing in us, and it's growing around us. And all because you loved us and gave your life for us. You brought us in by the cross into this family. You adopted us. Those of us who are far from God and without hope have now become yours. We belong to you. We give thanks for that. In Jesus' name, amen.